Hello, and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast, brought to you by Fund Calibre. I'm Chris Sarley, and today we're joined by Bruce Stout, who's manager of the elite-rated Murray Investment Trust. Thank you for joining us today, Bruce. It's a pleasure. This trust can invest anywhere in the world. It has complete flexibility. At the moment, there's quite a bit in emerging market companies. Could you perhaps explain why that's the case? Yeah, I mean, one of the, the, the beautiful things about managing Murray International is the complete flexibility that it has got to go to any company in any market, any sector around the world. So because it's bottom-up focused, we're just looking for those companies that we think offer the potentially the highest earnings growth with the best dividend growth, and of course, at the most attractive price. And that's why, at the moment, that they're to be mostly found in emerging markets. That flexibility also um, encompasses bonds. Could you explain, you currently hold around 14% in your portfolio, and, a, and again, there's a tilt towards emerging markets within there. Is the bond allocation normal, and why do you favour emerging markets in that space as well? So there's no, no such thing really as a normal bond a- allocation for Murray International. It's something mm-hmm. that we can use if bonds are deemed uh, attractive. Of course, we can invest in them. And at this particular point, we see uh, some very attractive opportunities in emerging market bonds. Now the reason for that is the emerging world, particularly Asia uh, and Latin America, is really the only part of the world that has been following economic orthodoxy in the last uh, five or ten years compared to the developed world where they've been flooding the markets with debt and yields have fallen to zero. So it's possible to analyse emerging market debt and therefore it's possible to value them as being looking very attractive at the moment. Okay. Um, You touched on it slightly there. Could you maybe expand a bit more and give me your outlook for the next 12 months? Ah, well, outlook, financial outlook. I think uh, given financial outlook is is very, very difficult. In fact, financial outlook, or people who forecast are really put there to make weather forecasters Mm -hmm. look good. But uh, seriously, it's almost impossible, I think, when you, when you look at what's happened over the last few years to try and uh, guess what the financial backdrop will be to the world because of protectionism, because of business cycles, etc. We're much more interested in just trying to look at individual companies uh, and try and ascertain whether they look attractive or not because there are more things within your control if you just do it on a company basis. Uh, the trust can dip into its reserves, um, revenue reserves, to maintain dividend payments if it needs to. Can you give us an example of one such time you may have done this in the past, please? Yeah, I mean, it's not something that, that we set out on a year-by-year basis to do. We always want to cover the dividend and we always want to try and put some uh, revenue away. And over the 15 years or so that we've been in charge, then we've managed to do that consistently. There have been a couple of times when that's happened, though. Uh, one particularly in 2014 the dividend wasn't covered because the Mexican holdings, particularly Grupo Azur and Femex at the time, brought forward the dividends from one calendar year uh, to the next, from 14 into 13, in order to avoid paying a higher tax, uh, which meant that we were a bit light that year uh, and had to dip into reserves. But, you know, that's what reserves are there for, for, for things like that. And remember, this is just on a calendar year basis, what we're looking for is a long-term, continued covered dividend. And I think over the last 15 years, reserves have gone up from 26 million to 73 million. Uh, and in most of the years, that dividend has been covered. When might you use gearing on the trust? And can you give us an example of when you have increased it? So the trust is always geared because we have 200 million pounds worth of sterling gearing, which is typically 
three, four, five-year duration coming off in different tranches. So the question with gearing is quite simple. How much do we pay for it? And if it's cheap enough, can we make money on it? And if we can make money on it, then it's in the shareholders' interest in having it. So the way to look at it in Mint is that we're, we've always got gearing deployed. Of course, whether it's deployed in equity or bonds very much reflects on the risk characteristics of the portfolio. And at the moment, that gearing is extremely diversified across geographies and asset classes. And one of the benefits of the closed-ended trust structure is the oversight of the board who gets to scrutinise the trust manager on a regular basis. Um, could you maybe tell us what was discussed at your last board meeting? Well, we have six board meetings a year, and um, at every board meeting uh, we discuss uh, whether we should have gearing at all, uh, how much that gearing costs, is it still in the shareholders' interest to have it. Uh, we discuss the outlook for currencies, particularly it's uh, something that's very important to Murray International being a truly global trust. Um, we discuss the outlook for individual companies uh, because the board are interested in the, in the businesses that we own and the returns that they can bring to our shareholders. So we pretty much discuss everything to do with the trust over the course of a year. So one of the underlying sort of aims of the portfolio is to offer capital preservation for investors. Um, we're in uncertain times in the market. Could you maybe explain how your trust could perhaps be positioned to offer people sort of, if not peace of mind, then a sort of added level of security in markets now? So it's always very, very difficult to set out with an objective to preserve capital because by the very definition uh, that the trust holds bonds and equities, then they are invested all the time uh, in financial assets. There have been two times in the last 20 years where we have effectively de-geared the trust from equities into bonds. One was in 2006-07, when we moved into gilts, US treasuries and, and 10-year UK gilts, and had 27% in bonds during 2007, purely because equity markets were too expensive, in our opinion, and, and we wanted to try and uh, reduce the exposure. And again, in 2014-15, we've moved into emerging market debt. So, in, in order to try and preserve capital, which is a very, very difficult thing to do, depending on how markets react, but the way that we try to do it is to be as diversified as possible in terms of the equity exposure and the geographical exposure we have. Don't, don't have big holdings in companies, don't have big holdings in individual markets, but also look for bonds and equities in the mixture to try and de-gear financially the trust as much as possible. And the final thing there is to make sure that the companies that we own have got very strong balance sheets and are not vulnerable uh, to anything that might be thrown up by markets in the next few years. And would that diversification be purely on a company basis? Yeah, it's purely to, on a company yeah. basis, but one of the things that we're very, very aware of is linkages that you get between companies. And, and when you've had a strong period of markets, such as we've had for the last five or ten years, you'll see that there are lots and lots of tech companies, for example, that have done very well and are all on very high multiples, but they're also very linked. They also do similar things. Uh, and therefore, where's the support there if things started to unravel? We prefer to have very different companies doing different things so there are no business linkages if possible. Thanks very much for your time, Bruce. It's a pleasure. I'm Chris Sarley, and if you'd like more information on the Investing on the Go podcast, please subscribe to Fund Calibre. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at your time of listening.